Hello, everyone. This is another episode of the um, SLTD Going Over Big Time podcast. I am the Cantastic, uh, joining you tonight from uh, wherever the hell I am, and uh, also along with uh, my friend Mike Charlotte, as well as uh, Tanner Pruitt. Um, welcome, guys. Thank you for joining me. Um, uh, this might be a little different episode. I'm cur- we are I'm I'm currently recording at the same time. I'm sort of have the uh, November twenty second episode of AEW Dynamite on the background. Tonight mm-hmm. is the first night of the Continental Classic Tournament or the Round Robin Tournament. So, um, forgive me if I kind of like weave in and out occasionally if I notice something popping up. Yeah. Um, uh, so we we will we will talk about that. Towards yeah, the end, it will it, has it will some... it will feature into our uh, the analy- analysis of a uh, full gear which took place at the Kia Forum this past Saturday in Los Angeles. Um, how you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. I just happen to be wearing a shirt that I got in the Windy City years ago, and oh oh, did I just say the Windy City? I think you know what that means, and I'm thinking this will show up here, but oh oh. Holy shit, is that a fucking CM Punk reference? I don't know. I said Chicago, <laughs> but it could be anything. But AEW's in Chicago tonight, so who the hell knows? Anyway, <laughs> rampant speculation over and done with. Mike, obviously not selling that as I expected. Tanner's cracking up here as this is half of this is an audio podcast. So you might not see this, but since most of you are viewing this anyway, I hope that at least drives some viewership. I had this um, Finn Balor demon mask on, but I just realized nobody can hear what the hell I'm saying. Anyway, um, now that that piece of nonsense is over and done with, I guess we can start, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um. So th- this pay per view was uh very up and down mm. for me. There was a lot of great action throughout the show. And there is a couple of matches that were fine and a not great main event. So um, I think there's two matches in particular we're probably going to spend the most time on. And that is one is that is definitely one of them. Um, But all around a good show, it's just not the greatest show which we come to expect from AEW pay-per-views. I mean overall when I went back and watched some of the matches um other than the main event which uh, we will get into extensively I I thought the matches were more or less solid they weren't like terrible but they weren't like really just standing out there so um you know yeah um Tanner what did, what did you think of the show overall? Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with the both of you here. I think that it did have some some spectacular moments and, and some some really solid matches overall. Um, I I I do feel like if if you compare it to other shows that AEW has run this year, they they've been on a real hot streak. And it and 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 this is probably one of the um um more more average, I would say. Uh, shows that they've put on in terms of pay-per-view in at least in recent memory and even even the worst AEW pay-per-view is not a bad show sure say like 
Yeah, and there's definitely I, some good, solid matches here on this card. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it, 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 like you said, it's very up and down. Yeah. Um, so the pre-show, there wasn't really a lot going on. I mean, so the first match was Eddie Kingston defending the uh, ROH title against Jay Lethal. And I actually really enjoyed the story going into this match. I don't like how we got here, but the story going into this match was Eddie Kingston basically being like, uh, trying to light a fire under Jay Lethal because Jay Lethal's a great wrestler. But since he's been in AEW, he's been running around with Sanjay Dutt and Jeff Jarrett and um Satnam Singh, Sat- Karen Sat- Jarrett. Satnam Singh, he's Karen Jarrett. Really a, a collection of misfits and goofballs that he doesn't and really need to hang around. There's been there were some really good promos, mainly by Eddie Kingston, talking about how he shouldn't be doing that and he should just be wrestling and Mm. being a great wrestler and every time like the most recent promo right before the show was you know Jay Lethal's just doing the the shit that he always does and he's he's like looking around and laughing and whatever and, and Eddie Kingston's like no don't look at them look at me I'm talking to you what happened to you you used to be a killer, and now you're running around with these people and <laughs> doing all this stupid shit. Give me the guy that I respected for 15 years, and that did not happen in this match at all. Not even a little. It was a 100% overbooked, the same Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal crap you get every single match. There was a distraction every five minutes. There was Karen on the apron. When the referee was distracted, Jeff Jarrett was on the apron. When Jeff Jarrett was distracting the referee, Sanjay Dutt was on the apron. It's the same bullshit every single time. And Eddie Kingston just won, and it meant nothing. It literally meant nothing. because Yeah, yeah, like this match would have been great for final battle, and instead it was relegated to a pre-show for full gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because it because it doesn't matter. It 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 didn't matter. It it you could have did something where I mean, Jay Lethal at, at one point was the longest reigning ROH champion. He was ROH and television champion at the same time. He was one of the most dominant ROH champions when ROH was its own show and it was its own company. And all he's doing now is this stupid bullshit. And it does not matter. None of it matters. And I don't understand why this is all that he's doing. When, I mean, it's gotten to a point now where I just don't even want to see Jay Lethal on the screen because it means that he's going to be around Jeff Jarrett. And I don't want that on my screen at all. Well, I will tell you what did matter about uh, the conclusion of the Eddie Kingston Jay Lethal match. Yes, Eddie Kingston announced that um, in the well, even recent... even before that, even, even before, before that, okay. even before that, um, uh, Ortiz, who had recently been been kind of like quote unquote courted by Sanjay Dutt to join their group, made an appearance during this match, and helped Eddie Kingston. 
And mm-hmm. so now those two are back on the same page. And um, yes, then Eddie Kingston, what you were going to say. Yeah, so um, the Continental Classic that was just announced uh, by Tony Khan, um, a, a similar to New Japan style kind of tournament with basically round robin rules and a point system. Uh, so Eddie Kingston announced he's going to enter the Continental Classic and he's putting both his uh, Ring of Honor World title and the New Japan Strong title on the line, along with this, um, the AEW Continental Classic, I guess, championship. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm watching the, uh, the the AEW Dynamite right now. Uh, don't want to give anything away. I just watched a pretty good match between Jay White and Roosh. Um, yes. There's a table set up with the Ring of Honor title and the New Japan Strong title and a mysteriously covered up third title. Um, the idea, I believe, Tony Khan said in a press conference is that it's going to become to it's going to be uh, the establishment of a modern day triple crown sort of championship where it's like three titles uh being held by a champion at the same time so for those fans who have a bit of a longer memory it'd be similar to like an ultimo dragon type of run where he had like i don't know 11 belts on him at one point in his career yeah uh my understanding is Eddie Kingston is still the technically, I think he's still technically the Ring of Honor world champion. He's just, uh, yeah, he's just putting it on the line. So Eddie's in this tournament. Um, yeah. I can't remember so, if he's in the, I guess, the, the gold block or the, the blue yeah. block. So the color we, we will, we yeah. will discuss all the blocks and all the participants at the end when we. Okay, yeah. sure. Let's do that. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, if you didn't see this match, you didn't miss much. The next match was actually a pretty good match, which was uh, Buddy Matthews versus Claudio Casagnoli. And they had the match that you would expect them to have. Uh, a great back and forth action with some great technical ability because both of these guys are amazing wrestlers. And this was technically the first, like, length match match that they've ever had because they've had matches in wwe they had two matches in wwe one was a dq and one was only like four minutes long and they were all during the pandemic era well both during the pandemic era so uh this was when smackdown was being held at tropicana field uh for that period um yeah so this was this was an amazing match that I I would recommend if if you were to see any of the matches on the pre-show it'd be this one. Um Claudio got the win in a great back and forth. Like I said, uh he got the win with the sharpshooter and um they traded holds and and like I said uh definitely worth watching. Um he tried to extend the hand to show respect to Buddy Matthews, but uh, Buddy Matthews just uh, walked away. And um, so it seems like something is going on between the BCC and uh, the House of Black, but like I, I guess we'll we'll see with that um, going forward. Um, but yeah, this this was a this was a fun match. They didn't really uh, 
didn't really build to anything else. It was just going off of uh, Matthews beating Wheeler Yuta on, uh, I believe it was Collision, and uh, Claudio just asking for the match on the on the pre-show. So, um, so the final match on the pre-show was actually a very important match. Um, it was MJF teaming with Samoa Joe to defend the ROH tag titles with Adam Cole in their corner um, against the Guns. And this match was pretty paint-by-numbers, I think. Like, it was pretty much what you would expect out of this match. Um, MJF not wanting to tag Samoa Joe in and Samoa Joe kind of just forcing his way in by, like, getting a bunch of blind tags. And Samoa Joe just winning it basically on his own. Uh, <laughs> MJ, I mean, MJF did a lot, but Samoa Joe did most of the heavy lifting and got the win by doing the choke. Um, after the match, so we will discuss the after the match stuff when we get to the main event. Okay, I mean... Uh, yes, because it, it, it plays heavily yeah. into the main event. So, uh, yeah, they they did an ambulance spot and all that. So we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. So the main card opens up with the trios match of Christian Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne to take on Adam Copeland, Sting, and Darby Allen. Christian has the creepiest children's chorus. <laughs> sing his theme song without the music playing and then they sing again while the music is playing which did not need to happen hey 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 let's not insult the father of the year okay like these are his uh, children yeah his children were taught to sing angelic with angelic voices and they did their job so uh yeah but yes if i was like Outside of what I just did, uh, yeah, a little bit creepy. Um, very, you know, very we expected creepy. a lot of like specialized entrances, but that one was a new one to me. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, Ric Flair comes out by himself, of course, because he is Ric Flair, <laughs> and he just stands on the ramp or whatever, and Sting. Edge, or I'm going to call him Edge no matter what, so just get used to that. Adam Copeland and uh, Darby Allen have like this this weird touching tips moment with Yeah, it bats. was... <laughs> yeah, they, they did that. <laughs> yeah, you thought the children's <laughs> choir was creepy. That was this. Touching yeah, the, the tips? Yeah. The, the... <laughs> The lights go out and you just see three bats yeah. and they just touch each other. The the first thing <laughs> I thought of was uh they, they were doing like a shield knockoff. You know, they were uh-huh. <laughs> one bat, the second one, and then the third one came. Yeah, and then they all had on the they all had on the same jacket and Edge had his face painted like Darby. And um they all came out to Metalingus as they should. 
Well, and I mean, if you wanted to get dirty a bit, I mean, the shield uh, salute, if you wanted to get down in the gutter, uh, I mean, that was basically three guys fisting, right? So it was like, you know. In a uh, sense, yes. Yeah. Tip touching yes. aside, it was one of Sting's finer entrances in the wild. I, think. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I did like nice. the coordination with the jackets and the face yeah. paint a bit. And the... Oh, yeah, that was cool. That was pretty cool. Um, well, and, and, and you could tell, like, you know, I don't know, the, all the music that Sting has had while in AEW and in WWE has always kind of been broody and moody. And like, or Metallica. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> or he, goes Bamber, he gets you know seek and destroy, and you're like, oh, that's <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. But but then you know you put him in a song, uh, you put him with a song that's like actually energetic, and you're like, wow, Sting's like timeless, right? Like, yeah. Who yeah. knew he was retiring this year? Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it was going to happen eventually, but yeah, I mean, because he is almost sixty-five, so sure. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy to think that like Sting is that old, but he yeah. is. <laughs> um, there, there is one thing that um, I, I I had heard on on Wrestling Observer Radio, something that Dave Meltzer had mentioned um, that I do actually tend to agree with is that AEW does need to do I think a better job at uh, promoting that that this is Sting's last time. At X place, or or just like making making I mean, it known. He's been billed from California his entire career, uh-huh. and you're and you're not even acknowledging that it's it, his last match in California. It, it took Darby yeah. Allen getting on the microphone at the end of the match and saying so, right? Like I, uh, I didn't, I actually didn't pick that up until like, yeah, you're right. I think you're right. It was until Darby said something. Like, mm-hmm. hey guys, it's Sting's last match in California. Yeah. Come on, give it up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Tony Schiavone tried saying something mid-match, and but of course, all of the chaos going on. He, of, you know. of course. So the match, um, the match was was actually pretty good for what it was. Of course, you 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 get what you get in these matches, which is a lot of chaos, and it it it's fine because that's what you come to expect in a Darby match and a, a and most recently a Darby and Sting match at this point um there was a lot of back and forth at the beginning building to uh Copeland getting his hands on Christian um but uh Copeland uh gives Luchasaurus a scorpion death drop oh no it was a it was edge Copeland and Sting did like a combo move where it was the Scorpion death drop and a leg drop at the same time, which was pretty cool. Uh, Darby's been doing that with Sting, but with the coffin drop. Mm. Um, and uh, they also did a uh, a triple team suplex cross body combination with mm. uh, Sting and Copeland holding Nick Wayne up and Darby doing the cross body. You don't see that a lot. I mean, that was always a that was always a thing in the video games, and you literally never saw that in real life, mm-hmm. like like <laughs> ever. Um, Luchasaurus goes to double choke slam Copeland and Sting, and uh, but they fight him off, and then uh, Christian goes after Ric Flair. Oh my god. So I mentioned earlier that um 
I think I remembered only two spots in this match, maybe three. Darby getting chokeslammed by Luchasaurus onto the ring apron. Yeah. Again, proving that he wants to probably die but get crippled by 40. Um, and then I told you, Mike, offline that this this spot probably just made me burst out laughing. So you got Ric Flair facing off against Christian. Ric Flair takes his jacket off. It looks like he throws a bunch of chops. Yeah, chop, chop, face punch. Christian pokes Ric Flair in the eye like Rick does so many times in his career. And mm-hmm. then Christian gives like a sweet, sweet low blow to the nature boy. Uh, nature boy yes. feeling the pain. Um, yeah. I mentioned that I guess Ric Flair drip will now means that's the way he's going to pee um, after taking a nut shot like that. Um, sure. Another, what was interesting was somebody put out a picture comparing what happened at Full Gear to a few years ago during the pandemic uh, WWE era when uh, Raw was shot in the Performance Center. And it was Ric Flair who lowballed Christian at the time during a yes. feud with Randy Orton. Yes, so this, was is, like, this was oh, during a time when Christian <laughs> was not cleared and could yeah. not do anything. Right. And um, I mean, at that point, Ric Flair wasn't cleared either. So it didn't really matter. But they well, and yeah. they did the they did like the lights off gimmick to make it look like Randy Orton had attacked Ric Flair. Right, yeah. But uh, for, but for <laughs> this bit, I was like when Christian low blowed Flair, I just like burst out laughing. I was like, I'm sorry. I know he was brought in to be like Sting's friend, but it's just like at this point, yes. like any <laughs> any Ric Flair taking a nut shot, Ric Flair fall get fallen down on his face is just gonna make me laugh at this point because I'm like Yeah, it's none of it is necessary. <laughs> but um for the sake of his personal health overall. Yeah. So so at that point Christian brings the, the TNT belt into the ring and Luchasaurus is holding Adam Copeland for Christian to swing the belt. He does swing the belt but he hits Luchasaurus because Adam Copeland gets out of the way. And then Christian runs all the way into the crowd to avoid fighting Adam Copeland. He like he literally ran, literally ran. And uh, Luchasaurus then receives a signature move from every member of Team Sting: a stinger splash, a spear, coffin drop, pin. So uh, the result that I think we were expecting. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess we are, we are building to that Christian versus Adam Copeland singles uh, match. That's still going on. Uh, and, um, yeah, but Darby Allen is climbing Mount Everest Uh, in the next uh, week. So he will be off TV for the time being. Of course, it was, it was. Uh, reported that he was going to be doing this, but originally he was supposed to be doing it in like March or April. Mm. But um, I think since Sting is leaving in at the end of March, right. he wanted to do it now, and you know, be be ready for Revolution. Yeah. Uh, be since I am having dynamite on the background, it's just that after this match, uh, you know, with uh, Christian's team losing. Christian did a very awkward segment where he re-Christianed Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus, um, basically mm-hmm. blaming Luchasaurus for the loss at full gear and forcing this man who's twice his size to take a knee 
And he says, from now on, your name will be Kill Switch because you're my finisher. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And then he turns around to Nick Wayne, who, like a pussy, immediately gets on his knee. And then Christian tells us, get your ass up. Real men do not get on knees for other men, which makes Luchasaurus look around and like, what? And yeah. then Christian basically reaffirms that, yes, Nick, you are my one and true son. I now declare you to be the prodigy, Nick Wayne. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't just call him Nick Wayne again if you're going to recall. What did you call him, Mike? You were Nick Coppolo or whatever the fuck? Well, I, 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 went, I made a joke and I said that yeah. you could call him Nick Cage, but since that name is taken, yeah. you can call him Nick Coppola because that is Nicolas Cage's real last name. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what they, why they didn't take that out. But anyway, in this segment, strangely enough, Nick Wayne's mom comes out, once again tries to plead so some sense in her son. Um, yeah. And then apparently... Uh, Luchas, well, sorry, Kill Switch gets in between them, and then Christian Did, orders Kill Switch to attack Nate. Don't, don't, just call him Luchasaurus. Don't. Okay, bother. so Luchasaurus is ordered to attack um, Mrs. Wayne. Um, he doesn't, he, and then Christian shoves Luchasaurus, and then Luchasaurus is shoved in Nick Wayne's mother, who then gets thrown into the ro- ring ropes and just collapses. Um, Nick Wayne, um, coward that he is, just gets out of the ring. And then pulls out two chairs. So Christian's about to do a concerto on the poor woman. And then Christian's like, oh, no, no. Nick, uh, kill switch, Luchasaurus. You're going to do the concerto. And then Luchasaurus is about to do the concerto. And then we hear Adam Copeland's music comes out. Spears the shit out of Nick Wayne. Uh, fights off Luchasaurus. Oh, sorry. It's about to, like, knocks Luchasaurus out of the ring. And looks like he's about to hit Christian with a chair until Luchasaurus pulls him out, uh, which results in Nick Wayne eating another spear. Um, and then it was Adam Copeland delivering the concerto to Nick, poor the prodigy Nick Wayne. So while his while his mother while watched. his mother was watching. So yes, so, uh, that was a lot yeah. to take in. And yes, so the, all of that happened on Dynamite. Um, so clearly they're building to Luchasaurus turning on Christian and going back to being a dinosaur with a master's degree, um, which is what he is. Um, I actually thought they were going to unmask him right there. You you are now my kill switch or whatever. And then he was going to make him take yeah. his mask off, but he didn't. Uh, I mean, and they, you know, they're doing that whole wrestling cliche of like, oh, he wears a mask because he's so hideous underneath. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um this was a fun match. Um I I guess we probably won't be seeing Sting that much while Darby is climbing Mount Everest. Um, but he could always like pal around with Copeland for a while, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um because we don't really know how many matches Sting is going to have between now and March. So, um, yeah, uh, we'll see where this, uh, as we mentioned, we're going to get that Christian versus Copeland match at some point. I don't know if that's going to happen at World's End or before then, um, but that should be a good match because Christian and 
Copeland have never had a bad match together, as far as I know. Well, that's not true. <laughs> they they have had bad matches together, but um, we'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you'd have Tanner, to. Go yeah, Tanner, pretty... I think Tanner, do you want to add something? I was just gonna yeah. say you'd have to go back pretty far to find a bad Edge and 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 Christian match. They had that ladder match together for the uh, IC title, I think, in like a one or a two. That was, I think, the the one that people were like, "Wow, these guys had a bad ladder match against each other." Like, yeah, was was that during the invasion angle, or was that? Yeah, the... I think it was like while that was going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think of this match overall, Tanner? Yeah, it was a solid match, I thought. Um nothing too um nothing too over the top, nothing too crazy. I, I think it's exactly what you would want to get out of this match. Darby yeah. Darby was a little tame for his for his normal I mean because as we mentioned, he's climbing a mountain. I guess he didn't want to get hurt before. Right. Yeah, so you could he, he... He he was he he relented a little bit where you know obviously he took that uh, that apron bump but yeah um you know no, he, nothing out of the like yeah. crazy bag of tricks that he normally does no and, and I think that kept the focus of of it being you know Copeland and 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 Christian Cage I, I think that that that, yeah. that is what it was really all about ultimately yeah so um after this match. Um, we will talk about this segment later. <laughs> the segment after this match, because it's it ties into the main event. Okay. Uh, so the next match was John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy for the International Championship, and I actually really enjoyed the build to this match because they, um, you know, they talked about how Moxley. Uh, ended our, you know, he ended Orange Cassidy's monster reign and um, then gets hurt on that uh, in that Phoenix match that I that I was present for. Um, and uh, Phoenix unfortunately had some uh, visa issues, so he had to lose the belt, so they just gave it back to Orange Cassidy. And um, it, I liked that Orange Cassidy did like he was saying how he didn't feel fulfilled winning the belt back because he didn't win it from Moxley because Moxley ended his reign. And the only way to feel like this matters and for his other reign to feel like it really matters to him is to beat John Moxley. And that's exactly what he did. And I was actually very surprised that Orange Cassidy won this match because I fully expected them to just go back to where they were, which was probably Moxley holding this belt for longer than three weeks. Uh, but the match as a whole, like these guys, these guys can't have a bad match. I mean, Orange Cassidy is so good, and John Moxley is John Moxley. Like you know what you're getting with John Moxley. He can have a he can't have a bad match at this point. 
he he loves this so much and that like the the now that the like since the rains have been off as long as he's been here he's just on fire all the time um they they brawled for most of like the beginning part of the match uh Moxley hit a boss man slam in in the middle of the ring that looked pretty cool the way he did it and then locked in a cloverleaf he had the cloverleaf on for a pretty long time but uh Cassidy fought it off uh Mox uh did the arm trap to face stomp to uh get the upper hand back um they go on the top rope and um they do the so Moxley does the back rake that he's been doing for a while now and then bites Orange Cassidy in the head. And then Orange Cassidy turns it around and does that to him, which I I actually really liked. Um, Moxley gets busted open, and I do not know how. I have I did not see where or how it happened. I think it was just like, oh, I have to bleed. <laughs> like, I because I didn't see how he got busted open. I don't know if he hit his head on something or, like, I... He just turns up bleeding. I was like, "What? What happened? <laughs> Did I miss something?" It's mandatory like, for him by now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Cassidy hits a superplex, then hits the diving DDT, and then follows that up with another DDT on the ground. Gets a near fall. Um. Then. Uh, it looks like Orange Cassidy's going to go for like those sloth style kicks that he does, but he's like really laying them into the chest of John Moxley while he's on the ground, and um, he he's just firing these kicks one after the other, and uh, Moxley gets back up, and uh, Cassidy puts his hands in his pockets, and Moxley flips him off, and. Um, Moxley, uh, oh, Orange Cassidy hits three straight suicide dives. The first two, he Moxley like lands on the table, and then the third one, he just falls down. Um, back in the ring, uh, another uh, suplex attempt by Cassidy, to, uh, by Moxley turns into the stun dog millionaire, uh. Hammer and el- anvil elbows by uh, Moxley after he gets fights back out. Uh, goes for the bulldog choke, but Cassidy doesn't let him lock it in. And then he does the red rum. I mean, he's been hanging out with Hook for a little while, so I guess they're doing each other's moves now. And um, Mox gets to the corner and rips off the turnbuckled head, which will come into play later. Um which uh, forces a break. And um, Moxley then mocks the sloth style kicks and uh, to, does them to Cassidy. And uh, Orange then fires up and hits multiple Orange punches that staggers Mox. Uh, Mox will not go down, though. And... Um, then Cassidy finally hits the beach break and then gets the pinfall for the victory. 
So, very fun match. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, these guys can't have a bad match. But, uh, Alan, what did you think of this match as a whole? Um, To be honest, I don't have a very memorable spot in the match. Not that I'm saying it was a bad match. Mm-hmm. My only thoughts about this whole development was that I really wonder what would have happened if John didn't get that injury, that concussion, I guess, early on in the international title run after yeah. All Out. Because yeah, mm-hmm. he was not supposed to probably have dropped it to Phoenix. But they caught no. an audible because something went loopy and uh, it yeah. happened. And then mm-hmm. you know now you had Phoenix. And then, as you mentioned, visa issues popped up. So finding somebody to put it back on. Oh, Orange. Put it back on Orange. And then... Um, yeah, uh, they, I I felt they they were developing like some kind of like possible turn on for Orange Cassidy because he was not looking as though once he got the title back for a second time that he was enjoying the title run like he was like he wasn't like hugging as much with the best friends he wasn't celebrating or acting like his usual self a bit um, and then I think it's like leading up to the match with Mox at full gear when he finally beat him cleanly to like. Um, you know, solidify his reign and make sure that, you know, he had to beat John Moxley in order to like clear all these doubts, doubts, right? Because, um, you know, if John had Moxley had beat him again, I think that was, that was, that would have been the end of his, uh, well, obviously it would have been the end of his title reign, but I don't think he would have went back after the title again. Um, yeah, I think overall that match was okay. It probably ended quicker than I, expected but of course it wasn't the main event like it was at all out so mm-hmm. that's understandable uh interesting development post match where um after Moxley like was being uh helped to his feet by Claudio and Yuda they tried to leave the ring um Yuda kind of bumps in the hook and then they kind of start some kind of beef and then that led interestingly enough to the dynamite uh this Wednesday on Wednesday of um the uh well, it wouldn't lead. Well, it, sorry, let me back up to that. Yuda apparently has got some beef with Hook, and he was at backstage in Dynamite, like mouthing off the Orange, mouthing off the Hook, mouthing off the Shibata, who showed up to be the ta- at the Orange and Hook's the tag partner in a six man match. But um, looks like they're moving towards something from uh, Hook and uh, Wheeler. On the other hand, uh, we I was saying that it looks like Orange has become more of a more of a serious person, but maybe not because uh, during this uh, match, Orange had an announcement, and it was the return of very nice, very evil Danhausen. <laughs> oh, that, that, that was on Dynamite, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about on Dynamite. Sorry, I'm weeding into like Dynamite results into like full gear uh, analysis as well because I just happened to be watch be kind of like have it on at the same time right now. But uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this is gonna go. I mean would have been more interesting if Orange had lost the title and he got entered into this continental classic. Like why not? Like one of the more most winning champions in the past year. Um but I guess the loser of that match between Mox and Orange would have been entered into this tournament anyway because Mox is in this tournament. So uh I mean, overall, the match was fine. You know, whatever. We'll see how Orange does in his second run as an international champion. Danner, your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I generally agree with uh with what Alan was saying as far as it being a a real coming of full circle moment. 
for uh, for Orange Cassidy. Um, I I still think that he's probably one of the the finest talents that's on the AEW roster just in general, and I think um, him him and Moxley can just in this feud so far at least have continued to push each other, and I think that's that's really what you're seeing. Um, you know, when Allen's making note of, uh, um, I guess the change in Orange Cassidy's demeanor is, I think that John Moxley took him to that place, and this yeah. is kind of, you know, this is this is that reaction. Um, I would also, I would also think that like he's also realizing that he has to go back to the place that he was at when he was the champion. So yeah. Very true. <laughs> and maybe yeah. maybe these are also lessons learned. Um, I I still prefer their match from all out to this. Um, yeah, I agree. That was a better match. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but Wrestle a great Dream, moment for Orange. Right? Yes. Is it Wrestle Dream or was, was it all was, out? Oh, it was all out. I don't even remember anymore. I think it was all out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this match is still very, very good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Orange winning as emphatically as he did was uh, was quite surprising, um, but certainly well deserved. I fully agree. So the next match is uh, this is this is a very fun match. I I, I really enjoyed this match. Is uh, for the AW Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida defending against Timeless Tony Storm. So Tony Storm. Is absolutely killing everything that she's doing right now. Um, this character spawning off of her originally losing the title to Hikaru Shida. Um, and just going on this downward spiral that turned her into this old timey 50s actress, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, and she's absolutely killing everything that she's doing with this character. She's like, she, she's like changing how she pronounces people's names. She's, uh, she's, <laughs> she's calling Tony Schiavone, Tony Schiavone. <laughs> well, she's is... calling, she's calling dynamite, uh, dynamite and rompage. And, uh, she she wrote a letter to Tony <laughs> Khan and called him Anthony. <laughs> Dearest Anthony, I'm afraid I cannot yeah. attend your press conference. Please don't drink too much coffee. Yeah, I'm on my uh, private plane back home. <laughs> that was that was an in joke for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but as for this match, they they were so Tony Storm's been doing this thing at the beginning of all of her matches where she gives her opponent the script. <laughs> and, but this time she was like, we're going off script. Going off script. <laughs> she, she rips the script up. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's also remember that she now has a, uh, accompanying Butler, who, uh, Dr. Uh, Luther, who has uh, been, well, now he's just, now, now he's just Luther. I thought his name would have been Lufar or something like that. <laughs> and uh, we we are told on commentary that he uh, went to many years of Butler school, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> While he was uh, having death matches in Japan. Sure. <laughs> um, but so this match, uh, so Mariah May was watching this match. And when Tony Storm was getting chopped, 
every single time she got chopped, Mariah May reacted like like fireworks were going off. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, and then uh, so Sheeta hits a missile drop kick, gets a near fall. Um, Tony Storm takes a break and goes on the apron, and Luther gives her a a pair of heels, and she puts one in her in her trunks, and then goes to use the other one. But uh, Aubrey Edwards takes it and doesn't notice that she still has the other one in her shorts and uses it as a weapon. <laughs> um, well, she has been use weaponizing her shoes lately, so uh, it's not. Yes, a her yeah. her her catchphrase is yes. um, what is it? Um, Chin up, tits out, and watch always for the duck, shoes. watch for the shoe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he uh, so Luther gives her the shoes and um, gets it, she gets a near fall off of using the shoes as a weapon. And um, Cheetah fights back with rapid uh, punches, but uh, Tony fights it off with uh, palm strikes. But Sheeta powers up and hits a falcon arrow for a near fall. And uh, Sheeta shows uh, that her ankle is uh, busted up a little and she like falls down after the near She gets back up after the near fall and then just falls back down. So that becomes a, a target for Tony Storm and she works on the leg for a little while. Um, Tony goes to use the shoes again. But uh, Sheeta, like, I think she hit, like, a kick or a punch or something, and the other shoe just goes flying into the crowd. <laughs> um, so Sheeta goes to use the kendo stick for some reason, and um, the referee's telling her not to do that, and Luther stops her, and Sheeta just hits Luther with, Luther with the kendo stick, which probably felt like nothing to him. Because he's, you know, been in tons of death matches. Right. Um, while this is happening, Tony puts a metal plate in her pants. Was that what the, I thought that was like a frying pan or some kind of? It was small like a. It's like, like a serve. It was like a serving plate. Serviette server, like a yeah. It was. It was yeah. like a serve. It was like a serving plate. L- Luther okay. brought out a serving dish with him on his yes. way to the yes. Room. So yeah, so Tony Storm. <laughs> so Tony Tony puts it in her pants. The problem is that uh, they started to slide while they were in there, mm-hmm. and it was just hanging off the edge of her pants and very visible, mm-hmm. very visible. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where the referee just ignored it because it was part of the finish. Um, but yeah. it's uh, where ripping up the script comes into play. They had to, to, to improvise yes, a little of bit. Course. Yes. So, um, she puts the, the plate in her pants. She, and she fights, uh, Sheeta into the corner and goes for the, uh, hip attack that she 
hits tremendously every time. But this time she does it with a plate in her pants and gets the victory. Tony Storm is once again the AW Women's Champion. She is the second three-time champion after Sheeta and um she goes on this like Oscar winning celebration type thing and Mariah May comes out and gives her flowers on cue when Taz I think it was Taz who was like oh somebody got to get her flowers or something and, and like literally right after that was said Mariah May is right like on screen with flowers and she and all this time Tony is just lying <laughs> flat on the ring in the ring. The uh, so I guess Aubrey threw the title on her or somebody threw the title on her and then she the flowers she she sees Mariah May just grabs the flowers doesn't even acknowledge her and then she's like yeah. oh I'm the woman oh thank you thank yes you, Academy, and then uh, thank the Academy or whatever. So then and then Luther picks her up and carries her while she's holding the belt and the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah uh. So this was a very fun match. I like as I mentioned, I love everything that Tony Storm is doing right now. And um I was I was I, I don't want to say I was surprised that she won. Because no, I think I mean, they gotta capitalize on on capitalize on what's hot right now. Right. And Tony Storm is what's hot right now in this division. Yeah. You when um, you have uh, someone playing a like jilted 1950s Marilyn Monroe movie star type of character in Los Angeles and you spent months just building her up like this to this point um, breaking, yeah. her, breaking her away from the outcast like having her just develop this whole different persona would have been awkward like I have nothing against Hikaru Shida and her work here but it's just would have been awkward if she retained and didn't just capitalize on this. I mean, well, fact- you you could also argue that Tony could have just went on a bigger downward spiral. So I I think it could have it could have went either way, because Tony is over, and no matter what she does, she's still going to be over. Someone suggested that whenever she loses the title to whoever, she'll just snap out of it and go back to completely being normal. I would love that. And I, I saw that idea. It was literally like, oh, she loses the belt and she just the next night on Dynamite uh, or on Dynamite yeah. the next week, she just comes out like she would like she looked before when she first came to uh, AEW and doesn't even acknowledge anything. Yeah, that's like, who? What do you talk about? That never happened, right? Yeah, in I would, the, in, I would, in the I would meantime, they in the meantime, just uh, just uh, Dynamite has just ended. Um, during the show, Tony uh, did her acceptance speech as the new champion, and it basically had Renee and RJ come out on the ramp and do a almost like Oscar style award announcement. When they mm-hmm. unveil, is that the winner is Timeless Tony Storm, and they pan out into the audience where Tony is yes. sitting in the crowd, sitting looking front surprised. Row. Sitting what? front row with a gown with on, with a gown on, she and pops she gets over, in the ring, pops she over falls the railing, down. falls yeah. down. Luther helps her back up. She accepts you, know, and then she gave a speech. I didn't hear what it said. I'll go back. Yeah, and, I guess. I'll go, yeah, we'll go. I'll back thank the Academy. Uh, not Harvey Weinstein, obviously. Uh, I, I hope else. she didn't say that. I hope she didn't. Say I that. hope she didn't say that. Uh, she keeps just do a little more, and then cut in the sky. sky blues music cuts in, and then she. Uh, 
walks out while Tony's still standing there. Well, uh, also, Mariah May gave her the oh, belt. Oh, yes. Mariah was also there. Uh, gave her the belt. Yes, so Mariah is. I, uh, before we uh, move to Tanner, I just want to say, like, I love what they're doing with Mariah May. She's doing, she's kind of doing, like, the, uh, the obsessed fan gimmick thing that is eventually going to lead to her turning on her and, you know, probably beating her for the belt. Because, uh, I mean, Mariah May's got to have some matches first. But um, Mariah May is is somebody to look out for. I've been very excited for her to be in AEW. She uh, just was in stardom for not even a year. She was only there for like nine months. But um, she was having some great matches over there. Uh, she became tag champs over there for a little while. Uh, had a great match with Julia recently that uh is worth watching so i'm looking forward to this storyline that they're inevitably going to do with mariah may as like the obsessed fan who like probably you know like steps in and like takes everything from tony storm kind of thing uh tanner what did you think of this match no yeah i thought it was really really solid um uh, kind of to both of y'all's point here though I, i many times during this match i was kind of wondering um, you know, if if maybe Tony Khan had pulled the trigger too quickly on switching the title from Tony Storm to Hikaru Shida, you know, it was that um, what uh, uh, was that uh, maybe was something that? That he he had not had some foresight on, or or could that have uh, prevented us from seeing uh, Tony Storm dive further I would, down? I would also say viral. that not not having Jamie Hader for All In yes. probably played a big factor into what they did at all in because you sure. had all with Jamie Hader not being there you had Soraya who of course never got to wrestle on this kind of stage in mm-hmm. her hometown so her getting the belts i guess meant a lot and um the way that she won it you know was what it was and then sure. she had the, the reign that she had until she to won it back so I, I think that a lot of that, I don't know if Sheeta would be a three-time champion if not for the plans not being able to go as they wanted with Jamie Hayter. Sure. And, and 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 obviously with that, you have to go with where where your, you know, your irons are hottest. And right now that's Tony Storm. You know, she's just doing an excellent job uh, all the yeah. way around. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I'm looking definitely looking forward to seeing uh, her continued progress as well. Yeah, it, I, I I love everything that she's doing right now. So and this division has been going in the right direction. I will mm-hmm. say that. Um, so the next match is the four way tag team ladder match for the AEW. World Tag Team Championships. Boy, this was a hell of a match. Um, there was a lot going on in the, in these matches, as there normally is in these multi-team tag team uh, ladder matches. But um, so they spent most of the match building to Big Bill and Brody King clashing, being the two big guys in the match. They they had like a stare down at the beginning of the match, but then every other person in the match just attacked them both from behind, <laughs> which 
I I thought was hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, you had um a lot of a lot of big spots in this match, dives and stuff like that. Um, Brody and uh Big Bill at one point were outside of the ring and they they see each other again from across the ring on the outside this time. And they both bring ladders into the ring and um, they just face off again and trade strikes. And the crowd is doing what they did for uh, Miro versus Hobbs, where they're just chanting meat and beef and all of that. And um, they grab each other by the throat, but they get sandwiched by ladders from behind by Dax and Roosh. Um, Dax gets the upper hand and then uh, throws a ladder at Roosh and then Dax does that spinning thing where he puts the ladder on his head and just swings around and hits people with the ladder yeah the old Terry Funk spot (laughs) yeah the old Terry Funk Uh, and uh, the ring is cleared and uh, Cash is uh, the only guy in the ring at this point and Malachi appears out of nowhere and uh, just stops Cash from climbing. And there's a ladder that's just leaning on the ropes at this point. And Cash goes off the opposite end. And Malachi just slingshots the ladder with the top rope. I absolutely loved this spot. It was It was so cool so innovative it's like something you've never seen in a ladder match and cash sold the hell out of it because he just got hit in the face with a ladder that was slingshotted at him um so then um yeah there uh see let me catch up where i was at um cash is now uh laying on a ladder that is in the corner. So this ladder that was in the corner was like there for a long time. I don't even know how it got there. But it was like laying straight facing the corner. And Cash is just laying on it now. And Malachi is on the top rope. And then Brody and Dax get involved. And they're all on like the, that corner while Cash is laying on the ladder. But Cash gets back up. And uh, hits a low blow. And then gives Malachi Black a pile driver. Oh. From like the, the bottom rope onto the ladder. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was gross. <laughs> it sounded gross. And yeah, um, there was a lot yeah. of really gross kind of spots in this whole well, match. Wait, because <laughs> we it's didn't get we, we we didn't get to this Brody King spot yet. Oh, oh, oh I know. <laughs> so, um, so then Brody is going to do a dive, but uh, Big Bill lifts up a ladder, and Brody crashes into the ladder. I, I, he was going for like a suicide dive, and then uh, Ricky Starks who is like kind of absent for a while at this point not really a lot going on and he just like fires up and beats the hell out of FTR and LFI by himself and um 
now uh so Brody King is bleeding now after after doing that suicide dive into the ladder and um slams Dax on a ladder in the corner and then hits a cannonball while Dax is laying on this ladder um Big Bill tips over another ladder into Brody so then at, at some point Brody so there was a ladder bridge that was set up also like very early in the match and Brody King takes it upon himself to grab Jalistico into like a, uh, you know, like a, uh, power bomb slat, like over the shoulder position and does a gonzo bomb on to the ladder. Oh my God. And the ladder like doesn't give at all. Or it like nope. does a little, but not in the way that they had hoped. You know, and if just... it was a WWE ladder, it would have collapsed. It would have broken, and and you yeah, know, gimmicked and everything. There, there was no give onto this ladder. It just literally, they bounced. <laughs> this is the best way of describing this. And at some point, Cash Wheeler shows up again. And puts Brody on top of this ladder now. Now Brody is laying on the ladder. And Cash just does a crossbody onto Brody, who's now laying on this ladder bridge. And I think that is what, like, finally did in this ladder. Um, so back in the ring, multiple people are fighting and climbing with Ricky at the top. Eventually, everyone is taken out. Um, Malachi is like throwing kicks and everybody at everybody, but Big Bill like arrives and just disposes of him. And that leaves Ricky open to climb the ladder and grab both belts to retain. Um, so yeah, this was this this was a hell of a match. It's definitely uh one of the better ladder matches we've seen in a in a little while. Um with nothing too crazy mm. i mean the the crazy spots were crazy enough but nothing to the uh nothing too concerning mm. i i think this they they did what they what they could with all the bodies that were in there and uh yeah i thought this was a lot of fun uh alan what did you think i just found it ironic that Ricky was going on about how he doesn't even need a ladder. He just needs to stand on Big Bill's shoulders to get the two belts. And yet the end spot was Ricky climbing the ladder while Bill was flat on the ground. Ricky grabbing both belts himself. He tosses Bill's belt down towards him below. And he's the one standing on the ladder with, you know, being the winners. And uh, I love the post. So I watched, I got, I got, I caught the post full gear press conference where he and big bill came out and i find it fascinating and of, of ricky explaining the dynamic between him and bill they're not a tag team so he didn't he was like he was a little offended at people asking what's your tag team name what's your tag team name no <laughs> we're not a tag team we're two wrestlers that are the tag team champion two singles guys that are the tag team champions uh also really touched by how big bill meant talked about how wrestling got him back on sobriety and uh how it affected him personally how how it like helped him uh get back uh get back up on his feet um figuratively and literally speaking um yeah I, but i think the the chemistry between these two is uh 
actually works very well. You got your huge, tall, big guy, and then you've got your more athletic uh, guy mm-hmm. who's the big, who's talk, who's talks, who's does the best talking, and there's the more the technical guy. Uh, I also there's these little clips of uh, every time Lexi Nair interviews them, and then Ricky is like feigning ignorance the guy going there's something between you two i can't really place it like you're always supposed to interview the person on your right first lexi not the person on your left i don't know why you always want to talk to bill first wink wink uh you know they're uh engaged engaged. so (laughs) so i love how they uh, played it off on that a little bit so um yeah yeah interesting like you know you got yeah like we're all we're so used to tag teams that are like you know they focus on being a tag team, but why? Why not two singles that get singles guys that can be a successful tag team and carry the tag team titles? And I guess the only thing they missed in that press conference was mentioning, "Hey, either Big Bill or I could become a world champion, and we can still do the tag team title run thing. It's nothing mm-hmm. that will stop us from being double cha- one of us being a double champion." So, uh, right. yeah, it's a, it was a good match. Uh, a lot of like crazy ladder spots as I would have expected. Uh all eight guys did very well. I, I will say that I like that Big Bill is finally like sticking to something because for a long time he was kind of just being traded around. Mm. Uh he was teaming with Lee Moriarty for a while and then that just disappeared after uh the firm just disappeared. And then he was thrown together with Brian Cage and people seem to really like that team. And then it just disappeared again. Mm. And then he just, because Ricky got quote unquote suspended, fell into this. Yeah. And now they're, now they're champions. So I like that they're, that, uh, that they're sticking with this. Tanner, uh, what were your overall thoughts of the match? Yeah. Um, match was pretty solid. Um, I, I gotta say, as far as the participants are concerned, I, I, I didn't feel like any one team really jumped right off the page a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it did feel like a bit of an underwhelming team selection. Um, but it, 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 it felt like all of these teams were kind of out of their element in this match. Yeah. Like FTR, you wouldn't expect them to be ladder specialists. Um, uh, you had, uh, Los Angobernables and, the, and they, I mean, obviously I think that, um, they wanted to add, I think Tony Khan probably wanted to add some, some Lucha Libre flair to it. He wanted to mm-hmm. see release to go, you know, doing some, some spots. I'm sure. Um, Roosh is just kind of a guy who, um, he, Roosh he just, can do everything. Yeah. He, he can do a little bit of everything. I, I, I particularly enjoyed the sequences that he had with cash Wheeler. It seems like they had a vendetta out for each other. Um, mm-hmm. so that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but, um, I think ultimately I found that while I've been skeptical, I guess, of the the, the tag team between Starks and uh, Big Bill, um, I, I have found that you know, just like what Alan said, you know, they they do make for a great team. Uh, it it, it is very much in the ilk of that uh, Shawn Michaels Diesel kind of vein, where yeah, you know they bounce they bounce off of each other. They're like the opposites. The opposites exactly. are uh, just work. Quiet big man and charismatic uh, smaller guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, this was this was definitely a hell of a match. Um, mm. The next match, which was another pretty good match uh, for what it was, um, it was the TBS Championship uh, Triple Threat match. Uh, Chris Statlander 
defending against uh, Sky Blue and uh, Julia Hart. So, first off, Chris Statlander doing the full Globo Gym entrance from Dodgeball. Absolutely loved it. Um, Julia Hart is killing everything that she's doing right now, and Sky Blue has really come into her own in this character. Um, they gave her new music uh, by uh, the band Butcher Babies. Pretty good band. Um, and uh, she ditched the backwards cap and stomped on it and put on a crown that is very weird looking. But... Um, it, it, it is kind of odd to me that she would take this full transformation and not be a team with Julia Hart, but it, it, it kind of just feels like you got two people doing the same gimmick, but with different colors. I was, um, I was very, like, curious about this whole Julia Hart... I mean, sorry, a sky blue transformation. After she gets misted by Julia... Uh, Julia disappears at Wa for a while for you know her wedding, um, and then then you see Sky Blue just her eyes just getting like more darker, darker every week, and I was just like, what yeah. is this leading up to? At first, she, I thought she was going to join Julia, but it turns out no, they're feuding, and so it le- leads to this. So um, yeah, uh, so it yeah. leads to this pretty fun match, as I said. Um, so Julia and Sky kind of have like a stare down at first, like they're going to work together. Because they uh they put pu- they push uh, Statlander out of the ring and kind of just go at each other. Um, after uh, Sky Skylake extends the hand to uh show like that they're working together or whatever, but Julia doesn't fall for it and just attacks her with multiple punches. Later, uh, Stat Stat comes back in, hits a big neck breaker on Julia, then hits a big elbow. As all three are down uh, regrouping, Stat gets a near fall on Julia, and Sky goes for a Hurricane Rana, but Stat is too powerful and pulls her up uh, for like a uh, a power bomb. And then uh, Stat's going for a 450, but Julia knocks Stat off the top rope and hits her beautiful uh, moonsault. She's got one of the best moonsaults in the business right now. Um, but uh, Stat gets back in and breaks up the pin. Then hits a big power slam on Julia on like near the ramp. Like that 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 looked pretty uh good. Um, and uh, back in the ring, Sky is going after Stat, and uh, Stat goes to hit her finisher, the uh, Saturday Night Fever, but it's reversed. And uh, Sky hits a great looking code blue. Um, for a near fall, and um, Julia's back in, and uh, she while Julia has a submission on, uh, Statlander hits multiple deadlift German suplexes, like she is just she she's probably the most powerful woman in this division. Like she's got like crazy strength um but again she's like compared to these two it do- it doesn't even matter like she could 
throw these two around like like they're like they're nothing. Um, and then Sky again is fighting back, goes for a head scissors, but is reversed into the Saturday Night Fever by Statlander. But Julia runs in and hits a clothesline right as uh, Statlander goes for the pin and steals the victory mm. to win the belt. This is in, in the same vein as as Tony Storm. You strike while the while the iron is hot. Julia is over as hell right now, and is absolutely killing it. And Statlander doesn't need this belt anymore. Um, she doesn't need to have a Jade Cardgill run. She beat Jade Cardgill twice, and that was that was her rub. And now she can go on to do other things. Julia. Only 22 is on fire right now. That's an and, accomplished, That's quite an accomplishment to have a title at 22. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but she's improved to this level. Like, and I, they, they've mentioned on like commentary, like she, she hasn't even had a hundred matches mm-hmm. and she's this, and she's this good already. Like she's, she's on the upward uh, trajectory right now. And she's, deserves this win and uh all three of these women are gonna have very bright futures as long as they are healthy and and perform to the level that they're performing at for a long time um so uh alan what did you think of this match as a whole uh loved it i mean the end you know everything was very smooth the ending i thought was very apropos to have julia becoming very crafty and sneaking in to get that win um a lot of people were saying maybe she should have, should have won at wrestle dream but probably wasn't her time at that point because she had at that point she had been building up this undefeated streak and maybe mm-hmm. just needed to like knock her off well the, that's the pedestal what... a little bit in That's why to... Sky was in this match. So yeah, she yeah. Sky Sky was in this match to take the pin. Oh, so that yes, so yes. that so so that Statlander would not take the pin. Right. But it's been yeah, she rightly deserves it. I predicted this would I pretty much had was sure this would happen. I mean, you went for from her being just this sort of backup cheerleader to two guys who are probably no uh, uh, two guys who are no longer actively in AEW right anymore. Um, I don't know about Griff Garrison, but I, he hasn't been on. He's probably he's, injured. He's on ROH. Oh, he's on ROH. Okay, but he's not on yeah. on the main show anymore. And uh, Brian yeah. Tillman Jr.'s uh, gone. Uh, yes. He went from her doing that to like getting involved in this House of Black, and it's just on fire, just lit up. Like we've had our criticisms of the women's division. All of all of that, she was like one of the bright spots while the division was still really. Um, not being booked very well until recently, so yeah, this was this was a good good turn, and it was a good result. Um, all for it. Let's see what happens. Danner, yeah, um, very very uh, pleased with uh, Julia Hart's progress. I mean, she's she's just uh, doing really really well week in week out. You can see how she's been progressing and improving. Um. Obviously, as as you said, Mike, yeah, Statlander had a short reign here, uh, but I don't think that necessarily hurts her. I I, I think that um, 
you know, I I I feel like they they want to put more women towards the main title scene and have this more be more of like the kind of the intercontinental title for the women's division that really have that that workman's uh or work woman's title um yeah. in this case here. Um so yeah, I I think that uh considering all of that, Julia Hart was certainly the right person to 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 take the title here today. Yes, uh, 100% agree. So uh, after this match is when we got the uh, Blockbuster signing announcement. Mm. And as as we all uh, pretty much expected it to be, it was Will Ospreay. So uh, Will Ospreay is all elite, but not until January. No. Because... <laughs> Uh, he has to finish up his commitments with New Japan and lose that U.S. title, <laughs> probably to David Finley. And um, yeah, uh, I was I I pretty much expected this. Uh, AEW can offer so much more to Will Ospreay than WWE uh, on what he actually wants and uh, um he wants to be able to go to and from the UK whenever he wants. He wants to be able to work new Japan when he can, he wants to work indies. He, everything that he can and wants to do, he can do in AEW. And I don't think he would have got that in WWE for a couple of, a couple of dream matches that wouldn't have led to him being a world champion. Yeah. My my what I heard was that the only thing that would have probably tweaked his interest in terms of being with WWE is the relaunch of NXT Europe. Um, would have allowed him to stay in the UK. Would have probably given him some solid matches within his region. But then again, you're in the WWE system, still pretty limited. Uh, with this deal, I understand he's still allowed to reside in the UK. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that works when it comes to like um. Using a uh, talent from from uh, across the pond, yes. For an and there's promotion. There is so many first time matches for him to have here. Um, I don't think him and Jay White have ever had a match. Um, mm-hmm. even when they were both in New Japan, if it was, it definitely wasn't a singles match. Um, I think they might have had some. I I seem to recall them having some early on in like their careers when Jay was on excursion, but uh, I could be wrong. But like he's gonna have matches with Swerve and Miro and Hobbs and all these guys that he's never gotten to work before, and that's exciting. And he, now he can face Kenny whenever he wants. Hmm. <laughs> and, well, and the. It's, yeah. They, they have uh, a lot of uh, really talented uh, guys that are moving up very quickly in that division. Um, and obviously, you know, MJF still being champion. You, you look at that matchup, you look at, you know, yep. you continue to do more with Kenny. He could certainly do more with Swerve. I I believe I've seen, um, I, I, I've seen Swerve and Will have a match in progress, but that was probably eight years ago or so. Oh um, yeah, well they're both in their physical primes right now. They they right. it, when it's... they have when they eventually have a match now or in yeah. the coming year or whatever, it's going this to be a be... it's going to be an absolute banger. Yeah, it's going to be night and day. Um, 
so yeah, no, very exciting move. Obviously, he wants he wants the Wembley show, right? Like that's yeah, you know that that's the big the big ticket here, um, and and rightfully so. He's perhaps England's most favored professional wrestler uh, at the current moment. So yeah, that's that's awesome. You know, good for him. Okay, so I'm just checking right now to see if there's a a history between Jay White and Will Ospreay. I am pretty sure that they've had matches, but not like on like a singles obvious... match, right? You... Yeah, like okay, they've had they've had a couple of uh, G1 matches. Mm. Uh, they they had a G1 they had a G1 match in 2020. That was 18 minutes long. That was probably really good. But I think that's their only singles match. Oh, they had another one. They had a 29-minute match at the 47th anniversary. Um, But everything else looks like tag matches. So they've only had two singles matches ever. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll we'll get to see that again at some point. Um, so yeah, uh, very excited for the future of the career of Will Ospreay. Uh, the next match is the match of the night, and it is easily my favorite match, and once again is destroying what will be my top five matches of the year. Because it keeps changing, it keeps changing, it keeps changing. (laughs) Yeah, we still got about a month left in 2023. What the hell else is going to happen? <laughs> oh my god. Uh so of course I am talking about the Texas Death Match or in this case AEW's Last Man Standing match <laughs> uh between Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. Oh boy. At I can't. I, I, I can't. I, I don't think <laughs> that your notes are going to do you any good for the next three matches. I'm just being honest. I think I think our best <laughs> approach might be just to reminisce here. And, yes. And, and figure uh, out I'm, what I'm just... happened. Because this was one of the most violent affairs that I've seen in, in quite some time. And <laughs> rightfully so, right? So the whole crux of this storyline was that Swerve Strickland fully believes that if he was in AEW from day one, that he would be in the spot that Hangman is in. Because he believes that he is better than Hangman in every way. And he kind of proved it in this match, I, I think, with, without... Uh, I mean, it, I... The only thing that keeps this match from being absolutely perfect is the Brian Cage involvement. Yeah, uh, that, I feel like that that was probably the part where it was a, a, a bit of a bridge too far for me. Uh, if if you if we want to yes. get into the nuts and bolts of it, yeah, that uh, was but, that was not needed. But, but let's, this let's match, the, yeah, let's look at all of like the perks that that come with this match here. Um, so so this match being what it is, it comes down to the personal animosity between them because Swerve. Uh, broke into Hangman's house 
mm. and looked at his baby. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I guess <laughs> I guess one I guess the answer to whose house it's, it's well it's my house now, bitch. Because I'm in well, it. <laughs> that, uh, yes, that that was the point I think. Um, but this comes into question. Like, did his did the baby's mother just not hear somebody enter the house? Like, is there yeah. is there no alarm? Is there no... yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is yeah, there no this point has been brought up before? Like, where the hell was is there? Mrs. Is there Hangman? no camera? Is there is... no camera? Was she like a Something? heavy sleeper? Like, she just doesn't wake up unless, like, did, did she take multiple like sleeping pills? Like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> um, but uh, regardless of that, of course, we're, we're putting logic into wrestling, and you can't, you, you just, I mean, I'm gonna have a lot of logical things to say about the main event. Let's just. We'll keep it for that. Um, so yeah, um, very early on, like Hangman is just like a house of fire. He doesn't even have an entrance. He just oh goes yeah, right... I, I I he just suddenly appeared and started wailing on Swerve. I was like, I, he didn't even I yeah. didn't even see where he came from. Swerve gets like this special entrance with dancers and and uh, Nana dancing around, and of course, and and uh, Hangman just bolts to the ring as soon as Strickland is in the ring and he hits a very early buckshot lariat and to this point he's just like wailing on Swerve and like ties his hands together and and just like is beating the shit out of him yep. and and then he brings out the stable gun yes oh my God. He, he brings out uh, a roll of tape a staple gun and um a chair and um he's just he's wailing on him with the chair and he ties up his hands with the tape and then he just starts putting staples in his arms pectorals um he's stapling pictures that his his child had uh made yes paintings (laughs) a a finger painting and stapling it to his face um and uh, yep. at this point, Swerve is already like busted open, like big time, and um, blood is just falling from his face. And um, eventually, uh, Nana gets involved and like helps Swerve get his hands free. And uh, Swerve like gets the upper hand and has the staple gun and just starts stapling himself. For no reason. Um, um, I mean, have you did you miss the part where as Swerve is starting to profusely bleed from his face, um, Hangman decides to go all gangrel. Well, I was about to get to. That, oh, okay, never mind. I'll let you. So, I'll let you carry yes. on. So even uh, right before, right before, Swerve got his hands free and everything. Swerve is busted open, bad, and uh, blood is just dripping from his face. And Hangman gets on the ground and goes right underneath him and opens his mouth and lets blood fall into his mouth. And then he gets up and spits it into the air, Triple H style. That's one of the most <laughs> disgusting things I've ever seen. In it's pro- like, and uh, it was reported, it was actually reported today 
that they, of course, had to get this cleared. And, uh... <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yes! And it was planned, and, uh, it wasn't like something that they just did on the on the fly. And, and Hangman and Swerve <laughs> were both tested before and after. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a good point. Both were tested before and after. Yes. <laughs> so um yeah, so at this point there there now there's a barbed wire steel chair. Um and they're just swinging that around all over the place. Barbed wire um, spots, uh uh, the, the 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 block uh the cinder block cinder so, block spots yeah uh the the moon salt with the barbed wire chair the uh cinder block on the apron they're like fighting over the cinder block and swerve just hits a death valley driver directly onto the cinder block and it doesn't break nope <laughs> nope hangman and- literally lands on his shoulder onto the cinder block and then rolls over onto his head uh yeah. before falling down into the you know <laughs> the, the the ring mats below. Then then they're on the outside and Swerve does a pile driver on top of the barricade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the stupidest oh God. Thing I've seen in my life. That was horrifying. And then Swerve sits in the chair in the corner, and Prince Nana, you know, he comes does over, does his little dance, does his dance, and then pours water on Swerve's head, and it's and just just like a river of blood. He's trying to yep. clear his eyes, but it's it's just the one of the cruelest things that you'll see all show. At, and and then the camera pans over to Hangman, who's uh, I guess in the corner with the referee, and now he's he's spouting a, a river of blood himself. Yes. So then they end up back in the ring and Hangman cuts off a piece of the barbed wire or like multiple pieces and wraps it around Swerve's body and face and hits a fall away slam with the barbed wire just sticking into his body with already staples in his chest and um yeah uh, Swerve Goes outside, gets the barbed wire chair, and then uh, I think this is where the the moonsault spot happened, and then Nana uh, tries to get involved. There is a a table that is set up outside, and uh, he, at some point, this was like towards the end of the match, but Nana received a uh, um, the, uh, the dead eye into the table which is just a horrible bump for Hangman's knees every single time. I, I just, I wish he would stop doing that. But, um, uh, yeah, so they're, uh, they're in the ring. Uh, Swerve tries to hit the JML driver, which I, I, I love that move. It's like one of his best moves. Uh, goes to, they go for, for a, a tombstone, but uh, it gets turned around, and they do a tombstone on to the chair, the barbed wire chair. <laughs> and uh, Swerve gets up at nine because this is uh, 
I forgot to mention this is a uh, last man standing rules with uh, also submissions. So a uh, ten count or a submission, no pinfalls. Um. So now they're fighting on the top rope, and uh, Paige goes for a dead eye from uh, the top rope, but Swerve like rolls out of it, and uh, and uh, wait, oh, this is where uh, Swerve swings the chair, and Hangman's hair gets caught in the chair. Mm-hmm. And like ripped skin. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Should we have put up a, a parental guidance uh, disclaimer this, before you this started? Show is, yeah, this you show is this show is flash up a parental guidance thing. Uh, for this. Okay. There is a, there is an explicit content on this podcast every single week. <laughs> they they know this isn't for kids. <laughs> uh. So yeah, um, then we get a page gets power bombed onto the pa- the the barbed wire chair, and then another diving stomp from uh, Swerve his uh, Swerve stomp. Uh, Swerve gets a bag. Now, first thought, of course, whenever you see a bag in wrestling, is you assume it's thumbtacks. This time it was not thumbtacks. It was broken glass. And this glass did not go on the floor. It went on Hangman's back. And um Swerve goes on the top rope and hits a 450, basically just asking for punishment himself at this point. And hits a 450 on the back of Hangman while Glass is on his back. And then he hits a JML driver, but Paige gets up again at nine. Again. <laughs> uh, they both go outside. And uh, there's a barbed wire board now. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, placed across two chairs. And um, Paige hits a fallaway moonsault onto the barbed wire board. It, like, why? Yeah. It, it, why? It's, an, it's an insane amount of brutality in this match. <laughs> um, and, and, and we're not even, you know, I mean... The, the, I don't know. I, we're, we're we're fairly close to the finish. We're, I would we're, we're fairly close to the end. Yes. Well, we're, so, well, I don't know why you're surprised. I mean, we, we kind of like with the way this was built. You know, man invading another man's home. Like sure. the personal issues that have arisen. I oh, mean, everything that happened in this match was warranted. Absolutely. But absolutely. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was just like, I guess when you're watching it, you're like, oh my god, what else can they do to each other? What could yeah. top this? What could top so, that? After the fallaway moonsault, he hits another power bomb onto the board. Then he hits a dead eye. Page then wraps more barbed wire around the neck of Swerve, and is going to hit the buckshot. But this is when Brian Cage arrives, which I, I, again I I don't think was necessary at this point. 
but um, he hits a couple of power bombs on Page and then hits an F five. Um, but uh, this is where the table was introduced. Uh, Cage then hits a clothesline with the barbed wire wrapped around his arm. Oh no! Uh, Page hits a clothesline on Cage with the barbed wire wrapped around yeah. his arm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when Nana gets thr- uh, dead-eyed into the table. And uh, so Brian Cage has been thwarted at this point. Then Swerve, from out of nowhere, runs with runs with the cinder block and hits Paige in the back with it. Mm-hmm. Not the back of the head, the back, mm-hmm. thankfully. <laughs> and um, then he grabs a chain. And wraps the chain around the neck of Hangman. Uh, I guess in a poetic sense, he hangs the Hangman. And um, wraps the chain over the top rope and then like lifts it up. And that is when uh, he lets go. And that is when the 10 count happens. Swerve is the victor. And immediately after the 10, Swerve just fell to the ground. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Uh, damn. As he should have. <laughs> a, a visually stunning match. Um, again, probably one of the more violent matches most will ever see. Um, easily. Easily. It's easily the best death match in, in AEW, but it might be the one of the best death matches on national on a national scale in years mm-hmm. it, it, yeah because it, because and it's because of how well they told the story mm-hmm. this this is how you tell a story in a match the man entered his house yeah and all he did was see red after that mm-hmm. literally literally and like they they were supposed to have a no touch clause uh, before this match, but that didn't happen because they actually fought at the uh, Wrestle uh, Revolver match where Swerve did a promo and uh, Hangman just appeared and beat the I, shit I out think of the no-touch clause only applied in AEW ring, right? So <laughs> Yeah, I, link, I think link, so. You know, loophole. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, hats off to literally everybody involved in this match. They told the story to a T, Swerve cut an amazing promo backstage that I that I posted multiple times. Uh, the man, Swerve, is a main eventer now. If he wasn't already, he is now. And there is no denying it. And honestly, I want him. I want him to be the man who beats MJF for the belt. Mm. That's that's how confident I am and how over how good how uh ready how everything any words you could think of swerve is the guy yeah i i don't disagree i think that uh, he definitely has main event potential i think that uh, he could certainly have a great match with mjf if this is anything to base it off of um yeah and 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 to be quite honest if we were Still thinking about all of Will the the potential Will Osprey opponents for Wembley, um, 
mm-hmm. a, a a a major heel Swerve Strickland versus Will Ospreay would make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And Swerve is only Swerve is Swerve is our age. Me, me and Tanner. So he's he's in his physical prime right now. Like he he hasn't he's never been better than Thank he is you. right now. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're talking well, about Swerve. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was yeah, I was definitely not talking about me or Tanner. Thank you. <laughs> uh <laughs> it could always approve, but, you know. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, so uh I I I just can't I can't say enough about this match. I absolutely love it. It's well, easily I, the match of the night. Easily and, and, and I, and Hangman doesn't he doesn't go out on his shield, you know, or he, he goes out on his shield pretty, pretty well here. Like he does not look harmed at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Coming away from this match. And I think part of that maybe has has to do with Brian Cage uh, coming in. Uh, maybe maybe his um, uh, influence on the match was, uh, uh, you know, fair in retrospect, but. Yeah, Hangman, hats off to him once again. He knows how to put on a pay-per-view match. You know, that's that's, yep. it, that's his realm. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to... I guess I, I, I guess we're not going to see Hangman for a little while because there's been no, like, uh, no interview, no... Um, nothing, nothing. Nothing, fact, no fact, si- radio silence. Yeah, in fact, since... Swerve is in the Continental Classic, and he uh, was facing Jay Lethal on tonight's Dynamite. Picked yes. Up the, picked up the win there. Uh, so, they're you know, to your point, they're definitely pushing him uh, going forward. Yes. Uh, so... The next match, unfortunate, had the unfortunate task of following that. <laughs> well, and, we needed um, a, something to like come down a bit before we. Yeah. You know, I I feel like they do this to Chris Jericho a lot. I was about to say, it's <laughs> like yeah, I I the veteran, the, the 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 legend, have the thankless task of trying to. Yeah, the, you know, the king yeah. of the follow dead that, spot. follow that. How the hell do you yeah. follow that? Yeah. Yes. King so king of the dead spot, uh, in, in all the pay per views, Chris Jericho. I, yes, I, I felt like I mean this match is is also over twenty minutes, surprisingly. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you if you go and watch it, I I feel like they should have cut that in half. I fully agree. So of course we're talking about the Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, collectively known as the Golden Jets. Um, taking from the fact that they are both from Winnipeg. And that is the name of the Winnipeg hockey team. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this match kind of was. Uh, so it was fun. It was a good match. Yeah. the pro- The problem was Chris Jericho trying to keep up with everybody else. <laughs> the man. Well, the man is. The man is fifty. And and I think that. <laughs> There's probably some self pressure from the young bucks and Kenny's perspective here as well, probably because they 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 want to go out and have the same kind of barn burner that they they, they want to have they want to have that or not Cody but Kota Ibushi yeah they yeah, they, they want to have, have that, that golden lovers match they want to yeah, have that golden lovers match they want to have that that Kenny and Hangman match yeah but you're not going to have that with Chris Jericho 
Right. Not not at this stage. Chris Jericho, I, I, so Chris Jericho's one of the all time greats. He's one of my all time favorite wrestlers, but the man is fifty. He can't move like he did in two thousand three. He anymore, and um, he really needs to wind it down. I think, and that's again it. He doesn't need to be on every pay per view. He doesn't sure. need to be on and on every dynamite. He doesn't need to. He could have a limited schedule and still be special. Mm-hmm. And I feel and like a, this is yeah. probably that run. This is probably that 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 run leading up to him probably starting to take a pause. I mean, especially considering that there's guys that are a lot younger that are around him, and and mm-hmm. there's similar kind of things like. Danielson saying, "Look, I'm I'm winding down," um, and 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 Moxley maybe to an extent as well. I th- I think that he feels also that he doesn't need to be in AEW all the time. He does a lot of independent shows too, you know. So yeah. You know, he, he, so you know, he, this this match, th- this match was still very fun for what it was, but I mean, of course, you got the Young Bucks like playing all the hits, and Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho kind of like trying to match that but like because Jericho and Kenny have only teamed like three times ever um they don't really have that synergy yet um and it it just felt like you know Jericho is trying to do too much when they should have just did a simpler match um but you know Jericho's doing all the moves that he normally like he hit the triangle drop kick in this match which he doesn't do all that often anymore he hit it pretty clean in this um there is a lot of a lot of back and forth action um Jericho was uh there was a, a the the biggest part of the match and became like a factor throughout was Jericho's arm was uh caught between the ring post and the stairs Ooh, and the yeah. and and it got stomped and mm. it seemed like he like I, I don't know if he like cut his arm on that spot but he cut it on something mm-hmm. and uh then it became the target throughout the match and Jericho was unable to like hold on the the walls of Jericho for long periods and uh do a lot of like other things that he would normally need his arm to do. Like that's his arm where he does the Judas effect. And uh, so he had to like pivot and he was basically like the baby face in peril the whole time, which is weird. Um, But uh, there was a point during the match where uh, Nick and Jericho were both down in the ring on the ropes and Kenny made it seem like he was thinking about hitting Jericho with the V trigger, mm-hmm. but he uh, just did another lap and hit Nick instead. And um, there was a there was a couple of points where Jericho and Kenny had some like miscommunication. Uh, of course, making it, you know, they're doing all the things that you would expect them to do to make it seem like, oh, they're not 
they're not such a great team, so they can't possibly win this match. But we all knew that he they were going to win this match. Um so there's a um Nick uh no Matt does the uh you know the multiple northern light suplex thing and then he did it to like both of them at the same time. Um Nick uh, Nick hit a nice German suplex on Kenny. Uh there was a few uh points where uh, Jericho was um and I lost my spot. Hold on. Jericho uh, has Matt seated in the ropes, hits multiple strikes, a hurric- and and uh, a big uh, Hurricane Rana that actually looked pretty good. Because, Jer- you know, Jericho could still, like, pull out some of those spots when he doesn't do them all that frequently. Like, he doesn't do a top rope Hurricane Rana all the time anymore. Because he probably can't. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, there was, and then there was, like, that point where, like, Nick did the Judas effect to, like, taunt Jericho, and, um, Nick then, uh, Jericho hits the BTE, eats the B- BTE trigger, and, uh, actually kicks out, which I don't know if many people have kicked out of that, um, but Jericho being the one to do it is kind of annoying, <laughs> Um, so the Young Bucks were, like, surprised that that happened, and they go to do the Meltzer driver, but Omega stops it. Uh, the Bucks take out, uh, Omega again, and the ref gets knocked down, so Jericho hits a low blow. Uh, Jericho and Nick are both on the ropes. This, this is when, this is when Kenny did that fake out with the V-trigger thing. Uh, Omega fires up, hits multiple Snapdragons. Uh, that all look great. Um, then uh, the Bucks fire up again, and Matt hits Kenny with the one winged angel. Wow, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which gets a a near fall. I don't think Kenny's never going to lose to his own move. I don't think he would ever let that happen. <laughs> but uh. Nobody kicks out of his one wing angel, but he kicks out of everybody else's, no matter what. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, this is when um. They go they go for the Meltzer driver on Kenny this time, and Jericho intercepts it, and uh, hits Nick with a code breaker off the springboard, which was which which was a nice spot, um, and eventually. Matt has Jericho by himself for a BTE trigger, but Omega comes up from behind and uh, hits a one-winged angel for the three count. So this leads to the Young Bucks having a temper tantrum very similar to the one that Chris Jericho had in WCW uh, where they were swinging chairs at the ring post and uh breaking things and whatever and so the young bucks are going into this new uh temper tantrum heel gimmick thing poking fun at the cm punk uh calling everybody babies thing 
and um, the Golden Jets, who have only had like four matches together ever, are now the number one contenders for the tag titles, even though they said in a promo when they first teamed up that they were never going for the tag titles. Yeah, well, it's, res- <laughs> it's wrestling. Nothing is fluid. <laughs> nothing is solid. And uh, yeah, it looks like they're working towards a match between the Golden Jets and Ricky and Bill because uh, Jericho was on Dynamite. He was jumped backstage by Ricky and Bill and they did a, did the uh, bit where they injured his arm again. They did the yes. bit where they uh, basically rammed a, um, a storage crate or something into his arm. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, they're going to go into that match probably at World's End and Jericho will have a quote-unquote injured arm. Um, but yeah, this match was fine. Of course, as Tanner said, it, it was not on the level of like a Golden Lovers or Paige and Kenny match, but it was fine. It just wasn't great. Uh, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Anything else to add about this match, Tanner? No. Uh, again, solid. Nothing. Again, I, I don't think there's anything overly bad about it, but I I do feel like, you know, I think they, they pressed for a match that I don't think they could have realistically had. Um, yes. And, and I... I it, it was still a very, very good match. I think Jericho did everything that he knew that he could do to, to, I guess, spice the matchup. Um, but yeah. Um, and it, people found it know. odd. People found it odd that the young bucks didn't just have a tag title match on this show. And mm. that they, they only had this match because they were upset that Kenny is hanging out with Jericho, which is just stupid. Yeah. Uh, true. But Kenny was hanging out with Jericho because they had a common enemy, which was the Callis family, which seems to have died down now. And I think the logic uh, was was like, Kenny, you're having trouble. Why don't you call your like actual friends, you know, to help out instead of like, yeah. you know, relying on this like SOB that you don't like well, anyway. They they were busy winning the ROH six man titles when they didn't need to. Well, again, logic <laughs> is not a recur- 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 logic is not a recurring theme when it comes to wrestling storylines. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is uh, going well. What's to... interesting in in the post match development is that like they had Brandon Cutler go on Twitter and says, uh, "Yeah, the young buck man Nick will be taking a break right now." Uh, Apparently they're yes. taking a break from being the elite, their uh signature yes. YouTube show. And mm-hmm. also it was revealed just I think today I read that the Young Bucks had filed for the trademark KTE Wrestling, uh, which is an acronym for their book Killing the Business that they released ah. a few years ago. KTB. Um, yeah. Who the hell knows what these developments are? It could just mean yes, anything. and they they also or filed nothing. a tra- they also tra- filed a trademark for Super Dick Party. All right. Um, uh, so I got nothing to say on that. Awesome. This, this is uh, so yeah. This is a of course this is a storyline 
they're not going anywhere. They just signed new deals with AEW. Um, and they're going into this uh, temper tantrum gimmick, I guess. So we'll see where that's going, I guess. All right. So that brings us to the main event. Now, uh, I mentioned that I would go back to some things that from earlier in the show because they all played into this match. So after the pre-show match for the ROH tag titles, Guns attacked MJF. Samoa Joe just left and yeah. did not come back and did not come back. And as they he just want to do. Yeah. Yes. That's perfect. Uh, his character. Yes. So they uh, beat the shit out of MJF with a chair to his knee. Uh, they did a, they just swung the chair at his knee a bunch and uh, they did, they put the, le- uh, his leg in between the chair and stomped on it. And, um, yeah, so then they did it. They did an ambulance spot where they're loading MJF into the ambulance, and Adam Cole is there, and MJF just yells really loud, "Don't, Don't let, let them let take my title. championship!" He's just begging. He was just like emotionally Adam. distraught that he couldn't defend this title. Meanwhile, yes. you got poor Adam Cole in a like metal boot. His leg is nowhere near. Two even. ankle surgeries. Two ankle Two. surgeries. Man's can't even walk, and. He says, okay, Max, I'll do what I can. So he later goes in front of Jay well, White and says, I will defend the world title yes. so, in his place. Yeah, so we had, after the after the very first match of the pay-per-view, is when Tony Schiavone came out and uh, had Bryce Rensburg with him. And uh, Jay White comes out to the Guns music for some reason. And um, uh he says that he has like a clause in his contract where he has to be uh, handed the belt if his opponent doesn't show up or and uh, he demands to be handed the championship and declared the uh, official AW championship but this is when Adam Cole comes out and says that he's not going to let that happen and that he will do whatever he can to keep the belt for MJF even if he has to wrestle on one foot so that brings us to the main event, which at some point during the show was changed to Adam Cole versus Jay White. So Adam Cole comes out wearing the same clothes that he was wearing when he got to the building on crutches with his leg in a, his foot in a cast Nobody there to say anything he at all. More, he looked more suited to be streaming live on Discord or whatever, like his show, like uh, up up. He looked like he was ready to tape an episode of Up Up Down Down rather than well, wrestle for the world so title. While this is happening, Britt Baker is on Twitter <laughs> and is like, "Why is nobody stopping this? Why? What? What is going on?" Is this what he told me that he couldn't do the dishes because he couldn't stand for long periods like. Mm-hmm. uh, So, yeah, that that was very funny to see on social media. So Adam Cole goes to the ring on crutches and is standing mm-hmm. there and Jay White comes out 100 percent. No scratches, no nothing. Him and the guns get in the ring. They all start laughing. They're having a good laugh. So it's like the first not? the first the first problem, the first problem. Why are the guns here? They 
should have been banned from the building after they took out the champion in the pre-show. And that leads to, of course, the wrestling cliche of injured guy reappears after stealing ambulance. <laughs> yeah, we start hearing a Scott Steiner slash Claudia or Scott Steiner style. It's a siren. siren. It's a siren. Siren yes. from an ambulance. And I'm like, oh my God. Not only is the ambulance coming back, but Max is driving the ambulance, presumably using the bad leg as as the on the accelerator. Of, so of you're like why did, why how the hell did he get out of the hospital? So so he reappears with the ambulance and he's walking down to the ring. And while he's walking down to the ring, 20 agents fly out. Oh no, don't do this. You can't do this. You can't oh do this. Oh my god. Why in the why in the any why does it make more sense for a guy on crutches to go to the ring with nobody to stop him, but a guy who's kind of limping is being stopped by like everybody? That was also pointed out by Britt. Your your guy who's limping but is still Jack, your world champion in wrestling trunks, ready to go, and yet you had twenty guy agents and their mother probably come out imploring him to not go in the ring. It was like, yes. yeah, exactly. And Britt Baker said this himself. Why are there like 20 guys trying to stop MJF when Adam is in a fucking metal boot and can't walk and nobody stopped him? <laughs> At all. At all. Not, like, not even. Like... Are we supposed to believe that AEW has terrible medical staff or like just, just staff in general if they're not I... taking care of their wrestlers? Like, yes. So I. I, I don't understand any of this and why it's happening because you could have just had MJF versus Jay White in a good match. Why did yeah. we have to why did we have to do this? Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't. You know. you've been doing this stupid storyline building up to this match for like a month and a half where Jay stole the belt to the point where MJF had to have a match to get possession of the belt back which also doesn't make sense because he's the champion. Hmm. Tony Khan should just walk over and be like, Jay, if you don't give the belt back, you don't get a title shot. Problem solved. Uh, yeah. It, well, it's, it, I'm it's trying very... to remember. They did this years ago when um, in the last few months of uh, Brody, Brody Lee's life that, Mr. Brody Lee stole the title off of John Moxie for a bit, um, uh-huh. and then it just they just had the match at double or nothing, and uh, Moxie picked up the belt back. Yeah, this is, this is a familiar trope where it's like you know the uh, the challenger will steal the belt, ooh, and he'll steal yeah. the poor thing, and then you know the only way the champion can get back his actual title is at the title match of which in, he is the defending champion. Um. So the biggest problem I have with all of that is that they shouldn't have announced the match in October. Mm. <laughs> they they should have waited until like the last week before this pay-per-view to announce this match if they were going to do all this crap. Um, Because you could have built this pay-per-view up to not know who MJF is facing until Jay White had earned it mm. or something. 
Um, but yeah, uh, all of this just, it just, it just didn't need to happen. And all just because you wanted Adam Cole to be there for all of this. And like the, it, it was just stupid. They could have just had a match. They could have just had a really good match with Jay, mm-hmm. with, with MJF not pretending to be hurt. And it, it, I mean, the the match was fine for what it was, but the story that they were telling was dumb. Yeah. So um, th- there, there were some pretty good uh, moments in the match. So I, yeah, I really, I was really impressed with um, uh, MJF's uh, elevated mule kick. I, th- I thought that oh, was yes, oh, yes. The uh, the the cutter. The, the cutter where he got a cutter to the outside was awesome, but kind of to your point, you know, Mike, it's you know, he's supposed to be selling this this fake injury that he has, uh, but he's leaping out of the ring giving cutters to Jay White like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it is yeah. a bit fetched, yeah. So, of course, Jay White spends the entire match working on the knee and um. Doing dragon screws multiple times, and they're they're acknowledging that you know Jay White has faced Tanahashi so many times that he's got to know how to how to do that dragon screw at this point. With uh, you know, and it, it was just like there's like an avalanche Uranagi, which looked pretty cool by Jay White. Um, but yeah, M- MJF is just doing all of these like hope spots when he's supposed to be hurt like the match is nothing but hope spots that that's all it is and i and i hate hey i both of these guys are great i i love both of these guys as performers as wrestlers as all around talents but they didn't need to do this Mm -hmm. they they could have just could have just had a match and mjf could have just won and you do an angle after the match. Why Why do we have to do an angle at the beginning of the show? Not even before the show even goes on the air. And it, it was just, just not necessary. It's going to be and, okay. Buddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I I feel I feel your, your pain here because I, I do feel like I had some pretty high expectations uh, for this match just based off of how both men wrestled like just stylistically but at the same time like like you said you know you throw these kind of wrinkles in and it just it it makes the match into something that it was not meant to be necessarily i i think Uh, what it comes down to is that i hate overbooking sure um and and i I would i would say that if that's the case um i mean i don't see mjf's run not being overbooked uh, from from here on out. Uh, it it does feel like <laughs> overbooking galore. He's had a bunch of amazing matches this year. It's it's, it's yes. really yeah. Uh, it's it's something that he should be very proud of. Um, I, I would say that this one it you know might be something a little bit more to forget. Um, I think that what really this is a deeper lying issue is that. It, you have too much going on with MJF. 
you know, you have. Well, he's the, got like five different guys that are gunning uh, for him. Right. Okay. Yeah. We just Samoa finished Joe. off Jay White. Now it's yeah. Samoa Joe at uh, World's End. Uh, just announced. Um, Joe now is saying he's going to be uh, kind of watching MJF to make sure he's uh, nice and healthy. So there's no excuse. Uh, meanwhile, Wardlow, that psychopath, is still lurking around the ring, uh, the backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And of course, there's this uh, the, this devil guy and his minions. We still don't know who the devil guy is, guys. Uh, the match no. ended well, it's, it's, with it's no reveal. On Twitter right now, if you if you care to, <laughs> to, to, to speculation is still rampant that it's either Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, or Britt Baker, or even you know if you want to take an outlier guess. CM Punk, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. but well, uh, as we've t- Riley reference earlier too, you know, yes. But... So, so as me and Alan have talked about in the past, the most logical thing to do here is for it to be Adam Cole, because whoever this person is in the Devil Mask has not appeared physically; they have only appeared in video, and mm-hmm. um. The people doing the 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 attacks are the only ones that are appearing physically. Um, it would make the most sense. The issue with that is that if if Adam Cole is as hurt as he says that he is, he's not going to be back for six to seven months. Mm-hmm. So, how do you capitalize on that? Um, so it's really hard to say because Adam Cole's been here, only been around after injury since, since the pay-per-view, um, or since collision, I guess. But, um, so yeah, it's, so then like most of the, like the, you know, we talked about like all the bigger spots, like the the cutter to the outside, the the big Garanagi off the top, the you know, all the big moves that they're throwing at each other, and uh, of course Adam Cole is sitting at ringside and um, throws the diamond ring into the into the ring, and Jay White tries to get it, and MJF uses it, and. Um, Cole goes to give him the ROH belt and uh, the ROH tag belt, and uh, Dre Jay gets it and uses it and gets a near fall. Uh, then uh, Jay goes to goes after the leg again, and the ref gets knocked out. That's when the diamond ring is used, and um, Jay goes to work on the leg some more. gets it gets the ring himself. But uh, MJF hits a low blow because the ref is down. And um, takes the ring and puts it on. And uh, that's when the guns run out again. And uh, he hits both of the guns with the ring and then hits Jay with the ring. And uh, after reversing out of the Blade Runner to win the match. So... After this match, people are, you know, they were on the air for a little while longer after this match where people were fully expecting like an angle after the fact. But, um, there was no angle. There was just celebration. Uh, 
and that's it. And Adam Cole is on the crutches and MJF is limping and they're walking up the ramp and there was nothing after that. Um, so the speculation is going to continue. Is Adam Cole the devil person who's doing the attacks? Is it, does Brody and the kingdom have something to do with this? Adam Cole told Brody that they are no longer best friends and that he is t- he is done with them. That could all be a ruse, of course. All of this could be a ruse for Adam Cole to just appear and say he's not really MJF's friend, whatever. But again, if he's as hurt as they are saying he is, how are you going to pull that off? I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, the way when this devil thing started, it was Jay White getting jumped backstage by himself, which which yes. was, was just odd because at the time it was like, where's the rest of his bullet club gold buddies? And then yes. it was just and then it was the devil attacking the acclaimed who were friendly with MJF. So mm-hmm. we, we never got what I was just confused about. We never got like a whole thing where like the devil was revealed in order to like finally convince Jay White it wasn't mjf that attacked him but at, at this point it's kind of moot i mean they've moved on from that storyline after the title match and then today they everybody was saying like oh you know since adam cole's been around the the devil's only appeared in videos and nothing well, else well it's the same with max i mean i made a i made some random point on a uh, fightful.com that like you know what if the devil is just MJF's alter ego, like his, you know, original evil bad mm-hmm. at bad self, right? You know, I mean, they've never appeared together. Let's uh, be clear about that. It's always on, oh. like you mentioned, he's on the video. Um, we've never seen them in the same place at once. So it's just yeah. a speculation, but it's like, at this point, it still could be anybody. It's just like, there's just the way they've done this. It's like so many rumors are just floating around. I think Adam Cole, you're right, is on the inside track, but we're not entirely sure. They had, you know, Britt Baker was in a music video where she did like little devil horns and people are like mm-hmm. going on about how, oh, maybe that's a clue that she she's the devil and not Adam, which yeah. is also still connected to Adam. Uh, another mm-hmm. thing, you know, people are saying, oh, it's Jack Perry because this is like his revenge on like not winning the world title back in the, for, uh, what was it? Double I... nothing or... Nothing against Jack Perry. I think he's a great talent. I hope it's not him. It would be a bit of a dud. It'd be like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that wasn't much of a surprise. Like whatever, whoever this person is, it's got to be something that's gonna shock us all to the point where we just like our minds are blown and we just like lost complete touch of reality. Yeah. So we'll, at best, we'll all be calling Tony the Booker of the Year again. <laughs> and and according to reports, uh. As opposed to like when WWE was doing Retribution and they had no idea who was going to be in the mask, so they just put anybody in it <laughs> to to do all the segments. In this, in this, the people who are doing the attacks are the people that are going to be revealed, right? Apparent, according to reports. Hmm. So, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we we have speculated that it could be Roddy in the Kingdom. It could be Wardlow. 
It, it could be anybody. But, um, and I have a feeling we're probably not going to find out until close to World's End. Because World's End is on Long Island. And uh, it, as we've mentioned in the past, is the perfect place for MJF to lose the belt. So, um, yeah. Um, well, on the plus side, I don't think MJF this. I don't think this would mean MJF is leaving the company. Uh, no. Specul- a word is that even WWE officials are are convinced that are believe or the are believe that MJF quietly resigned his uh contract yes. with AW for well, another... and, and people have speculated that for a while because he kind of has stopped mentioning the quote yeah. unquote bidding war yeah. of 2024 thing yeah and um i mean he's also a baby face so i guess it doesn't really make much sense for him to talk about that when he is leading the company and pretty much on 90 percent of all the shows um so yeah um so off of all of that as we mentioned great show for what it was not the best show course like a lot of solid matches with some great matches thrown in there and then a not so great main event which should have been great but uh going off of that and we've mentioned it numerous times talking throughout the show the continental classic as uh we've talked about a bunch is uh now underway and uh there are 12 participants two blocks of six and um the uh the participants that are involved uh let me just pull it up um okay so we have in the gold block which we saw three matches tonight the gold block is John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, Roosh, Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal and Jay White and the blue block is Brian Danielson, Andrade, Eddie Kingston, Brody King, Claudio, and Daniel Garcia. So, uh, and yes, it's going, it's just like the G1, except the winner gets three points, draw gets one point, and, lo- and a loss gets no points. Um, 20-minute time limits, and no interference is permitted by anybody at all. So you know at some point that something's going to happen, and it's going to, you know, something is going to happen in that case. But nonetheless, everybody in the tournament, of course, we've talked about how over and how good Swerve is right now. I feel like there's, like, he has to win the gold side. And I would think because they made such a big deal out of him even being in it with the fact that he only has one eye right now, Brian Danielson is probably going to win the Blue League. Um, so, yes, they, they talked about the championships, the New Japan Strong and the ROH World Championship and the eventual continental championship, which will become a triple crown champion. But they've also talked about whoever wins the tournament will defend the belt in the following year. 
So does that mean that they're not going to defend the belt at all throughout the year? The way that it came across to me is that this is a form of consolidation uh, where they're consolidating yes. the three of these championships into being more of like one title. Um, but that seems kind of screwy considering that you're doing that to the, your ROH world title and, you know, a, a new Japan, a new title. Japan, a new Japan belt with no new Japan participants. Yeah. So, well, and I mean, it is new Japan's stateside project. So it's not like you'd have to get like main roster, new Japan guys. Well, no, I, I'm not saying I would expect like a Tetsuya Naito or, a, or sure. Tanahashi or anything. I would expect like a Tom Lawler or, yeah. a, you know, um, a Fred Rosser. Cause he's a big, uh, new japan american side guy something like that Mm -hmm. but um yeah i'm very curious to see how this is going to affect those belts as a whole and but we we've talked about it a bunch these are all like fresh matches that we haven't seen either at all or in a long time um i mean like we of course we've seen danielson versus garcia and uh We've Kingston seen uh, Claudio. Kingston and Claudio, but uh, but seeing Brody King against all these guys is going to be interesting. Seeing Andrade against all these guys is going to be interesting. Um, seeing Daniel Garcia against the guys that he hasn't faced is going to be interesting. And uh, yeah, I um, the matches we got on tonight's Dynamite timer recording, Swerve versus Jay Lethal, which was okay. It was, I mean. Jay Lethal literally was looking behind himself during his entrance because <laughs> he's used because he's, he's so like, used to my having friends? so used to having four people to help him, and uh, it was nice to see him have a match without that. And um, yes, we had uh, Roosh versus Jay White, which was great, and. Uh, John Moxley versus Mark Briscoe, which was a first-time-ever match, which was also very fun. So um, this coming uh, week, we're going to have... They they announced some matches for Collision and Rampage already, but I don't have them at the moment. Um, I'm pretty sure Eddie Kingston is facing... Brody King in his first match, I think. I don't remember. I have to I have to pull up the matches. But um Yeah, uh I'm looking forward to all these matches and what this tournament means for the future. And uh yeah, uh most of the people that were on this pay-per-view are in this tournament. So, uh it it's going to be interesting. Um I mean, if it were up to me, like, I probably wouldn't have Jay Lethal in the tournament, but that's besides the point, I guess. Um, and it, it it is weird that we're not that we don't have a Kenny in this tournament. Um, but he's doing other things, so I get it. Um, so yeah, um, that was that was pretty much everything this pay-per-view and what's going on in the coming weeks uh the finals of the tournament will be held at world's end um 
Still don't know if I'm going to this show. I might. I might not. I uh, got to figure that out. But money is tight. With yep. uh, Christmas. Yeah, the ho- the holidays and everything, yeah. So, yes. Uh, we're going to have Garcia versus Claudio on uh, Collision. And, yes, Kingston versus Brody King. Uh, that was... Those were both announced for collision. So yeah, um, this was uh, this was fun. Had a good time. I always have a good time talking about AEW shows, AEW pay per views as a whole, whether I like everything or not. I guess I'm not really not supposed to like everything, but <laughs> no, you're I not supposed lo- to. You're not supposed to like everything. You're supposed to like what you want to like, right? Yeah, yes, like what you like. Yeah, yeah. wrestling has a little bit of stuff for everybody, so that's what makes it a very entertaining product. Indeed. So uh, that is going to do it for us in this one. Um, keep uh, supporting us, and uh, you can uh, follow the show on uh, Twitter. And uh, go to our link tree for all of our socials and all of the ways to watch and listen to the show. Um, Alan, do you have any parting words? Uh, no. Um, well, a few. Um, interestingly enough, uh, I just finished watching the uh, interesting taping of the impact provincial wrestling federation uh, out here in my local toronto area city um that shows will be airing i believe one week from thursday november 23rd uh it's kind of a weird like little throwback where they all pre- they all pretend that it's 1985 and they come out wrestling in these very strange corny gimmicks Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was cool. That took place. I got a picture with uh, Jordan Grace, possibly a future Knockouts World Champion. So finally, got a picture with somebody besides Josh Alexander. Finally, uh, yeah. Um, speaking of which, they're coming back to the same place on Saturday, December 9th, which is my birthday. But I'm hosting a party, so I won't be uh, going live. But they're going back to the same place for Final Resolution Impact Wrestling's final. Um, I guess pay per view or not uh, or or show before uh they re they get reborn as TNA wrestling in twenty twenty four. So watching out for that. Uh, as of this taping, Survivor Series is uh this Saturday, but uh, I think they went out of their way very very hard to try to tell us that a certain native son of the Windy City will not be showing up at Survivor Series. Um, yeah, Randy Orton is expected to be on Team Cody and Friends, although they didn't actually say his name on Raw, which was very odd for me. Yes, um, but they immediately put out new merch, so... Yes, they did. <laughs> now, there you go. I mean, that's all I got going on. Tanner? Oh, yeah. Uh, Just for, for anybody celebrating uh, Thanksgiving out there, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, this will probably be up after Thanksgiving. But yes, if you're hearing this, uh, it, hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Hope hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. 
All right, so uh, that is going to do it for us. Uh, Watch the wrestling that you want to watch, not the wrestling that people tell you to watch. Watch, just watch whatever you want. Unless it's good wrestling, you know, you always. I mean, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Unless it's good. (laughs) Uh, All right, so that is it for us, everybody. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.